0: Anybody been filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Yes. Anybody filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Yes. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank, you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One man said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Talking about the word of the Lord. And... and This Holy Ghost don't burn you. But you know, fire is like energy. It's power. The Bible says you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm thankful for the power of His Spirit today. Amen? Amen. Come on, give Him a hand clap of praise and shout. Been baptized in Jesus' name. You know, there's some that wonder I I did too, I I wondered I I wasn't raised around Holy Ghost and Fire a lot of people wasn't but you know over the past couple of weeks Wednesday nights have been something else around here and a couple of Wednesdays ago we preached and taught on baptism and different things and Brother Dalton said man I'm, I'm ready to be baptized and we baptized him in Jesus name and Last Wednesday night, he got to praying down the altar with Brother Dusty. And next thing you know, oh, well, nobody helping him. He began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And I was like, man, I have watched this happen so many times, but it never loses its effect. So to see God fill somebody with His Spirit is tremendous. And the great thing about it is, is the Bible says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Don't ever let nobody tell you the Spirit ain't for you. God said it was. It's for you today. Praise God. Give me one more hand, clap, and a shout. Appreciate our music, our choir today doing a tremendous job, our media and sound. we just Those are the guys that a lot of times you, you, you don't think about till you hear something go wrong. And uh, it shouldn't be like that because they do a great job. And we appreciate all of our music, media, sound, everything they do. Singers, fantastic. Providing an atmosphere where we can just worship the Lord. And I'm thankful for it. Again, all of our visitors from one side of the room to the other, thank you for being with us today. Let's give them one more hand. Thankful today. What a great presence of the Lord. And today, uh, it's my honor to... To bring our preacher up today, we, this month I'm I've, I've using a lot of our, our young ministers, and, uh, and that calls it, I say young because they're all younger than me. And so, young ministers, and uh, today, Brother Philip, we're glad to have Brother Philip White preaching to us today. Come, come, today, brother. We appreciate him, his wife, and Miss Abby Joe. We love this family very much. Well,
1: praise the Lord, Church. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you. Love you nice. so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Whoo, Church? God is good, amen? amen? I was speaking to my wife this morning and, uh, you know, we, we have been married a little over four years, but we have known each other a little over 13 years now. And <laughs> I was asking her if she could give me any words of encouragement or even critiquing uh, me in any way so that I can more adequately speak to you. And what she told me is that I tend to yell So I I said, you know, that kind of coincides with the fact that I'm usually about four paragraphs in and I no longer have a voice, and I am going to do my very, very best not to do that today. Um, So, sound man, you're amazing. Thank you so much, Brother Chris, uh, for giving me the volume and keeping me under control. All right? But I just get excited about what God is doing at Restoration Apostolic Church. Amen? God is amazing. And I am so thrilled and so honored to be able to speak to you today. Amen? I did want to share one thing with you before we get to our our, uh, text today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read one one portion of Scripture, chapter uh, 15, verse 11. But as I was searching for what I felt God wanted me to speak to you today, I was diligently praying that God would give me contentment. You know, that, that's, that's a strange thing, I guess, to think of. But I want to be humble before God, and I want to be thankful in all things. Yeah. Not just in materialism, but I want to be where God has me until he tells me to move on. Right. But as I was searching the word, I found another direction for today. And that is the story of the prodigal son. So as we jump right in, this parable has many different points. But for today, I'd like to keep the emphasis on seeing the truth that lost people matter to God. And his desire is that you come home. I'm not just talking about a physical presence in the house of God. God's desire is still as it has always been for relationship with his creation. So come home today to his arms. Give him your struggles, your grief, your stress, and allow him to be the father that makes you feel home. Verse number 11, Luke chapter 15. Forgive me, I'm reading from the English Standard Version today. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. If you'll lay your Bible to the side for just a moment, let's lift our hands and our thoughts, our words to God. God, I thank you for the word that you've given us today, Jesus. God, I I lay before you every weight, every fetter, every chain, God. Touch my lips today, Lord Jesus. Your word is already anointed. God, speak to me and through me today, Lord Jesus. God, Lord, let our hearts be pricked before you today, God. Let the seed be able to find fallow ground, Lord Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I ask you, God, that you would use People for your glory today, God. Let us be changed in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. I don't want to go too much further without again giving honor to my pastor. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, Sister Walden, and Sister Candy, for allowing me to be here today. Thank you to my beautiful, talented, anointed wife. Woo! She is, she is amazing. She does so many, many, many things for me and for this church and especially for my daughter, Abby Jo. I'm so happy to have them with me today and supporting me. And if my wife has to run out, y'all forgive me um, and forgive her. We are doing our best to, to help her as she transitions into the two-year-old stage. So God is good. Y'all pray for us. <laughs> um, I do. Thank you, sir. I do want us to hear the rest of this story before we delve in just a little bit more. So picking up in verse number 13, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine across in that country, and he began to be in need. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he came across to his father, but while he was still away off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came and entreated him But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I know that was a lengthy reading, but I really wanted you to understand exactly where we're going to go today. So the context of this story in Luke chapter 15 begins in verse number one. "There are tax collectors and sinners who are all drawing near to Jesus. And these Pharisees and the scribes, they begin to grumble. And they're saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. They thought they had him. Who is this man, is what they're thinking, right? Jesus replies by telling three stories or parables. Okay? Verse number four through seven is the lost sheep. Everybody remembers the story of the lost sheep? He leaves the 99 to find the one. Thank God for the lost sheep. Yeah. Verse 8 through 10 is the lost coin. And then verse 11 through 32 is the lost son. These three parables make one point. Lost people matter to God. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. By studying the downfall and restoration of the prodigal son, we also see why God should matter to lost people. Every sinner needs to hear this message. Every human needs to hear this message. And it can be summed up in three words. You need God. You need God. Every person, including myself, needs God. So let's look at the desire that motivates a life of sin. Because we're talking about this boy who was from a wealthy family who seemingly had everything he could ever want. But he was not satisfied. Verse 11, and he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me The share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided the property between them. This request by the younger son is a declaration of independence from his father. This is where all sin starts. It doesn't matter what sin you find yourself struggling with today. And we are all struggling with some form of sin. All sin is a matter of the heart. There is a streak of rebellion within each of us that strives for independence from God's control over our lives and God's credit for our lives. This is the battle for the Christian here on this earth. You are a rebel. You rebel against God by default. In Galatians 5 and 17, For the flesh lusteth, Against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. The main underlying cause for a backslidden Christian and thus who refuse are those who refuse to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and his control. The flesh, our carnal nature, wants to be in control. In Luke 15 and 12. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided the property between them. This unparalleled event happened. No son in the ancient world would have dared to bring up the subject of inheritance with his father. The father's blessings were only given at the father's initiative nearing his death. But this kid had the audacity to come to his dad and demand his share of his father's estate in advance. Basically, the son said, Dad, let's pretend you're dead to me, and I'm dead to you. I don't care about relationship with you, but whatever you're going to bless me with financially, go ahead and give it to me, and we can just part ways. This was a slap in the face of the father. But amazingly, he gave his son what he asked for. Oh, the love of a father. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So when the boy received his inheritance, he didn't just move out of his father's house, he moved out of his father's country. It would have been one thing if he moved across the street or across the city but he moved to the other side of the world somebody say far country far Far country this Jewish young man relocated to a pagan country he was in the state of complete rebellion against what his father believed in he no longer had to submit to his father's authority and he no longer had to receive his father's permission he no longer had to abide by his father's curfew He was now his own man. Church, this is the story of every prodigal who is separated from God. We want control and independence of God's authority. The serpent explained to Eve why she should eat of the tree instead of listening to what God had commanded. God commanded, don't eat, but Satan explained to Eve why she should eat. In Genesis 3 and 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. But backing up to verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, this first sin was a result of human ambition that sought to be like God. So it is with every other sin. The truth is our prodigal hearts don't rely or don't really want a relationship with God. Not the God of the Bible, at least. We want to be our own God. We want to be in our own control. We want to have our own truth. I know each of you have heard that. It's very prevalent here as of late. Let me live my own truth. Like the prodigal son, we don't want the father to be in control, but we want God to give us just what we want. If he really was his own man, he would have just left. He wouldn't have had to have money. He wouldn't have asked for money. The fact that he asked for the money was evidence that he could not make it on his own, but he was determined to start his own life independent of his father. So it is with every sinner, spiritual independence desires credit for one's own life. The son didn't want to live under the father's authority, but that wasn't his only motivation. He asked his father to finance this independence, but this request would not fulfill his motivation if he lived in the same city As his father. As he wore his fancy clothes and drove his big chariot, enjoyed his plush apartment, nobody in his hometown would have been impressed. We all know somebody who has been blessed from birth. A silver spoon, as we like to call it in the South, is placed firmly in their mouth. So we are not necessarily in the carnal or in the flesh impressed when they are driving the best cars. And living in the best homes, playing at the country club, that kind of thing. We know that it is part of the family that they just so happened to have been born into. But things are different when we're able to paint a story in a different location. We can go and pretend on our own that we are independent of any outside help. We've got this. It's on my own merit. I've got my own truth. I can be my own God. I can do my own thing when I'm far away from the Father. This is the desire that motivates a life of sin. Sin desires control over life so we can take credit for life. We want credit for our own lives. Paul explains why the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of man. In Romans 21 and 22, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The reason is, although they knew God, they refused to honor God as God or give thanks to God. The prodigal heart does not honor God because the prodigal heart wants to be honored as God. Our unrighteousness is not revealed in this far country, but unrighteousness is revealed when we refuse to give God the credit for what he has obviously done for us. We're stingy with praise because we want to take the credit. The little child shows up with a gift, a piece of candy, a dollar maybe. The good parent wants to ask these questions. Where did it come from? And did you say thank you? I have to make sure that it is safe for my child to have And then I make sure that she gave gratitude to the one that gave it. The prodigal heart has a problem answering those simple questions. Okay, you got a nice house in a gated community. Where did it come from? You have a degree and a successful career. That's cool. Where did it come from? You got a blessed family. Your marriage is doing well. Your children are decently behaved. Where did that come from? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It all comes from God. It all comes from the Creator and my Father, Jesus in heaven. So first we saw the desire that leads sin. Now we see the dilemma that confronts the life of sin. You see, the prodigal had abandoned his family, left his father's house, and headed out for the country. The pleasure of sin is real. In Luke 15 and 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. In verse number 30, we hear what this reckless living involved the other brother stated that he wasted his inheritance on prostitutes. The story doesn't tell us what was involved in the prodigal's spending spree, but in the far country, we can assume while he squandered his money in reckless living, the prodigal probably had a good time. Or what he thought was a good time. But the pleasure of sin is real. People don't want to have anything to do with Jesus because they are lulled into a false security through the very real pleasure that comes from sin. Romans 1 and 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 14, And when he had spent everything a severe famine, arose in that country, and he began to be in need. You see, he had fun until he spent everything. He emptied his accounts, he maxed out his credit, then the friends that he gave the hookup to could no longer be found when he himself needed a hookup. Then a severe recession hit this far country, and the prodigal son found himself in desperate need the party was over. This is the dilemma that confronts the life of sin. Being lost may seem to be fun, but the fun of sin will never last. In Hebrews 11 and 24, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting Pleasures of sin. Sin in its pleasure is fleeting, passing, and short lived. Sin never delivers on its promise and it's never worth what it costs. Amen. From dilemma to discovery, this changes the life of sin. In the far country, the prodigal son learned something about life in himself and his father. His father was not the one who taught him this lesson. It was his circumstances. Let me tell you how he learned this lesson in 14 of the same chapter. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine across the country, came across the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him in the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the same pods that the pigs ate. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have been more or have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger. You see, he went to the big city with lots of money, And his daddy was nowhere around. But it was when he spent everything that he had to begin to realize and recognize how good his dad had been all along. Hired servants in his father's house were well taken care of. But here he was sitting in the slop, in the mire, in the grunge of a pig pen. So desperate that he almost started fighting the pig's over the slop he was supposed to be feeding them. So he made up his mind, I can't live like this. I need to go home to my dad's house. I've got to go home. Amen? Amen. The true emphasis of this parable is not on the sons, but on the father. It's an unveiling of the heart of God. The central truth is the picture of Jesus as our heavenly Father's heart of love towards undeserving sinners. The younger son exploded in rebellion. He knew what he wanted. His desires led him to gamble all that he had. He loved sin. It promised satisfaction to the appetite and ambitions. It lured him by its promises. Its fascinations hypnotized him. He had his fling. He rebels against the father. He shows that he is dissatisfied with his father's provision, his father's restriction, and his father's guidance. It was different with the elder son. He liked it at home. Not that he loved his father like the rest would, but he wanted his own way too. He thought, He was smart enough to manage his father and get out of him what he wanted. He loved him too much to be interested in pleasing himself. But pride, born of self-conceit, was his guiding star. These are good pictures of the sinful man, victimized by sin, deluded and deceived by sin, rebelling against the love or the restraint of the father. This is also a great picture of our loving God who patiently and lovingly waits for the return of the prodigal. My contention is that this story represents two wayward sons. These were not slaves, not servants, but sons. This is our story. Don't ever put anything or anyone ahead of God. Don't put your children ahead of God because you will need help with them. Amen? Don't put your job ahead of God. There's going to be a day when that job is no longer there. Don't put your health in front of God. One day you're going to get that report that you never want to hear and you need your father. Up or down, you need God. Win or lose, you need God. Poor or rich, you need God. Sick or well, you need God. High or low, you need God. Victory or defeat, you need God. Sunshine or rain, you need God. Hold up. I want to be clear. I need God. In Psalms 127 and 1, unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The builder seeks accomplishment. The watchman sustains accomplishment. But without God, the house is going to come crashing down. In every season and every situation, you need God. Luke 15 and 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He didn't learn this lesson in his father's house. He didn't learn it in the far country. He learned it in the pig pen. If you mess around with sin, you may come to a place where you lose what's most important to you in order to show you how much you need God. The sad fact is some people have to lose it all before they look up. Hell is truth known too late. Don't wait for life to catch up to you before you trust and obey the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, he says, In a favorable time favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When he came to himself, this is repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The truth is what delivers us from the life of sin. So he came to himself and now he can arise and go to his father. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son Treat me as one of your hired servants. While wow, the last time he saw his dad, he was demanding that he give him property. He was demanding that he give him money, sustenance, in order to sustain his independence. But this time, when he goes to see his dad, he plans to just beg for a job. That's what happens when life catches up to you. It strips you of your pride. It doesn't matter the terms. He just needs to go home. You can't fix life by working harder in the pig pen. The only redemption for the life of sin is to come home to God. Redemption for you is in the arms of God. Come home today. We must come home. You're sitting here in a mess, and you wish things or how they used to be with the Lord. Will you come home to God? If you can come to the music. You see, the father never left his post. He did not do the leaving. The prodigal did. Friends, when you feel distant from God, I don't care what the circumstances are. God is not the one who did the leaving. Verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to celebrate. If you come home, you'll discover everything that you are looking for is already available in your daddy's house. You want fancy clothes? The Father said, put the best robe on Him. You want shoes that signify that you are somebody? The Father said, put sandals on His feet. You want to party and to celebrate? The Father said, bring me the fatted calf. Let us celebrate. Our God has what your soul needs, what your spirit craves, what your heart longs for, and what your strength pursues. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes only to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we were lost, God took a picture of himself. His name was Jesus. He hung it in that one universal place at the cross if you are lost look to the cross look to the blood that was shed for you look for what God has provided for you he is calling you home today wherever you are whatever you've done God loves you you matter to God come home today if you'll stand with me god i thank you for this word today if you don't mind praying with me god search my heart today lord anything that is in me that would cause me to have a desire to be independent of relationship with you purge it from me today god anything that would cause me to want to live my own truth versus the word that you have given me. God, if it is contrary to your spirit, if it is contrary to the words that you've given me to live by, search it today. Remove it from my heart. These altars are open. Won't you come today? Come home to the Father. The Father is reaching for you. Jesus is seeking you today. He is drawing you close to Him. In Jesus' name, I thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Ooh, I hear the voice,
2: the voice of the one I love is calling my name, yeah.
0: a prayer of faith for healing today. Claude has esophagus cancer. How many believes God heals esophagus cancer? We're going to anoint him and pray for him like the scripture says. Love for you to stretch your hands and stretch your faith this way as we pray for him right now. Precious Lord. Father right now in the name of Jesus according to your holy word Lord, we lay hands on the sick and believe the prayer of faith is going to bring a recovery. Jesus, by your mighty power, touch him now. Heal. In the name of Jesus, let healing come to this man today. Glory to your name, Jesus. By your mighty power, God. To your name, Jesus. house today you know some stuff going on right here in our sister that the doctors I don't know if they won't even try to do anything you know they told her if we did one procedure she would never talk again I just believe God can heal this I believe in healing would you stretch your hands this way let's pray for sister Clarice right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we come before you today in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Let healing be released right now. Oh God, touch her today. From the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Right now, let virtue. Healed by your mighty power. Ooh, <laughs> hey, that's it! He <laughs> to be baptized today. Praise God. We'll be baptized in Jesus' name. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, why not today? Riding home wet's not an excuse. We got towels. If you haven't been baptized according to Acts 2.38, baptized in Jesus' name, why not today? Praise God. If you had not received the Holy Ghost, why not today? God can give it to you today. If you haven't been healed, why not today? God's a healer. He's in this house. While we're getting ready and they're getting her prepared, let's continue to pray and worship together. Let's don't don't get off and get our minds on other things. Let's remember what's happening in this house that someone's about to be buried in the name of Jesus. Their sin's gonna be washed away. Let's remember these things and continue to pray and worship. Pray for those that are sick. If you haven't come to the altar yet and you're ready to come, well, come on. Service is not over. Come on to the altar and pray. Let's continue this mind frame of worship while we get ready to baptize. Thankful for what God's doing. We've watched over the last few weeks God continue to, you know, the scripture describes it like this, and God added to the church daily such as should be saved. And we've watched God move in people's lives, seen them baptized in his name. We've watched people filled with the Holy Ghost. We've seen people healed and delivered and set free from things. Man, how wonderful it is to watch God work in people's lives. So today as we get ready to pray, I want us to all, you know, the scripture says to repent and be baptized. I want all of us to just pray that prayer of repentance right now as we get ready to baptize our sister. and Ask God one more time, Lord, search my heart. Forgive me for things that are unlike you. Let's pray together. Precious Lord, we love you. We thank you for this sister that's being baptized today. As we get ready, Lord, to do this, we ask you to search our hearts. Lord, forgive us for anything that's unlike you. Lord, help us to be more like you. Search our hearts, oh God, and cleanse us. Wash us again. Lord, we repent to you today, God. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, keep my sister. Use her. Bless her, God. Let her be a light. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 She said, I'm whole again. She said, my heart's mended. I said, you can feel it, can't you? She said, yeah. I'm telling you, it ain't just about getting wet. It ain't just about water. But it's about the blood of Jesus washing you whiter than snow. Ha! Ha! thank you Jesus she said I, she said I can't quit bouncing <laughs> so that's all right just keep bouncing praise God man I tell you God's good God's good just come on home what a message one of my favorite lines in that prodigal story though is it says, while he was yet a long ways off, he was still a long way from being where, but the Father saw him. It didn't say, Come on and limp home, he, but he ran out and met him. Jesus sees you making a start toward home, he'll meet you. <laughs> yeah, it, it won't be halfway either. He, he always covers greater distance. Let <laughs> me tell you, you just make your way, start making your way back to him. The Bible says if we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. So, friend, you just turn and start making your way back to Jesus. You'll get home. I promise you that. God's good, isn't he? Praise God. Boy, I'm, I'm excited. Anybody else getting baptized before I get out of this water? I mean, I'll come back, but i would just go ahead and get you while I'm here. I love you very much. You know what? Tomorrow night we'll be at prayer meeting, 7 o'clock and the baptistry will be ready. Come to prayer meeting tomorrow night. Pray and get baptized in Jesus' name. Hey, guess what? Tuesday, if you need somebody to come baptize you, we'll come baptize you. Take a lunch break. Come get baptized. Go back to work. Wednesday night, guess what we do? We'll baptize you. What I'm trying to tell you is it don't matter what time of day or night or what day of the week it is, If you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, we'll take care of that. We love you. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.